Hey y'all, this is Ty. I'm Shell. And I'm Q. And you're listening to the Triple Faith Walk Podcast, the show that provides perspective on the Bible and Christian living while encouraging authentic relationships with God. Hey y'all, how y'all doing? Welcome to the Triple Faith Walk Podcast. I was gonna play, but it's too early to play. Um, welcome to episode, I think this is episode five or six. Um, we got something really special for you guys today. We'll be talking about Esther. So before we do that, let's jump into some prayer here. So Father God, thank you for allowing us to come together for another week of the Triple Faith Walk podcast, Lord. Help us to share the story of Esther. Um, may our conversation be guided by your grace, Lord. Um, shedding light on just her strength, um, her courage, and then any other lessons that may come out of the book or the story of Esther. <sighs> Lord, for those of us that are struggling today or had a tough week, Lord, just help us to continue to move forward. Help us to see the light in the situations that we find ourselves in. Help us to be in the right mentality, the right space, Lord, surrounded by the right people. Um, And just continue to just embrace us with your grace and your mercy and help us to do better. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Okay, so I'm going to pass it over to Sister Ty who going to talk about Sister Esther. But her real name is Esther, so I hope you're giving the people her real name. Why are you looking like that? Who, me? Yeah. Like what? What do I look like? <laughs> I don't know, but I'm going to pass it over to you, Bess. All right, y'all. Well, thanks again, like we said, for tuning in. So, yes, today we're talking about um, Esther, and so we're gonna get into her story so for those of you who don't know Esther is one of those women who have their own book of the bible um and Esther so she was the second wife and the queen to King Xerxes nah baby I I don't think you I don't know how you say that Lachelle Xerxes I think it is Xerxes Xerxes, yeah. Oh, Lord, I'd have read that whole book of Esther and was saying something else. Was, how did you think it was pronounced? Rule number one: I will not put myself out there like that. So we just gonna keep Why? that to ourselves. I told y'all when I thought, what was that man's name? Elimelech. Nah, we're not gonna do that today, best. Not, not no Elimelech. Okay, there is no ick in his name. Now let it's me go. Right. Let me go back to Esther. Which, which, <laughs> which book am I going to? The book of Esther. <laughs> no which 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 chapter i mean oh we will i'm about to summarize all of it for y'all oh, okay 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 so esther um esther's real name was hadassah that's how you say it so her real name was hadassah and they called her esther so esther was like her nickname right um and so just some backstory for esther she was a part of the Jewish tribe of Benjamin and she was raised by her cousin Mordecai because her mother and her father um, had both died. And so she was taken in as his daughter. And they actually, when you read about the Israelites, um, they were actually sent into exile a couple of times, but so they were sent into exile during this time by the King of Babylon. Um, and she was with her cousin. Now I got to start from the beginning beginning so you can get some context because you're probably wondering okay how did she become the queen how did she even become the queen especially because I said she was the second queen so King Xerxes uh he first was married to Queen Vashti right um and King Xerxes he was one of them people who pretty much liked to like show off his treasures and the things that he had so he used to throw these parties he threw a party he wanted queen vashti to come she said no i'm not coming right now this was looked down upon you can't tell the king you're not gonna do something right so the king was advised that he should remove her from her position because they felt like she set a bad example for all the other wives of um, persia and media because she pretty much was like yeah i'm not coming even though the king called her to come and he wanted to show her off to all of the people that were at his party um so he took their advice and he pretty much got rid of queen vashti right which is crazy but that's what happened um so then after a while you know 
he was lonely after he was done being angry. He got a little lonely. He was missing his woman. So all of his personal attendants pretty much recommended that um, he find a new person. He considers some new virgins to replace the queen. So this is how Esther comes into play. So she's a part of the women that were being considered um, by the king to replace Queen Vashti. So um, as we talked about, she was with her cousin and she was one of the women that were brought before the king and he found favor on her. He liked the way she looked. He was feeling her vibe. So he's like, yeah, okay, let's consider her. Um, and he made her undergo these beauty treatments, right? So she went through like months of beauty treatments every single day before she could actually go before the king and be in his presence. Um, but eventually she did all of that. They prepared her. She was good to go. And now we got Esther up in here being the queen. Okay. So fast forward, there's this nobleman and his name is Hammond and he works for the king. Um, and he was considered like higher than all of the other king's officials. Um, and all of the other king's officials would bow down to Haman, um, except Mordecai. Mordecai was like, I don't bow down to nobody but my Lord. And so this made Haman very upset. Um, they came, they pretty much told on him, um, told on Mordecai. And so Haman decided that he wanted to get rid of all the Jewish people in the kingdom who refused to bow down to him. So he went to King Xerxes and he's like, hey, there's some people out here who don't be listening. They just be kind of doing what they want to do. I need you to give me permission to get rid of these people. And so King Xerxes is like, sure, like that's his homie, that's his bro. He like, here's my ring, do what you do, I support it, okay? So Mordecai, we know he's Jewish. We also know that Esther is background, she's Jewish as well. So he comes and he talks, well, he comes and relays a message to her pretty much of what Haman is planning to do, that he's planning to destroy um, all of the Jewish people. Now, at first, Esther was like, I don't really know what you want me to do, bro. Like she was giving that type of energy. And her cousin had to be like, um, sis, daughter, don't forget where you come from. Don't forget your people, you know, and how you got to the place that you're in. Keep that in mind. Um, and so eventually Esther, you know, had to have a reality check, which happens to us sometimes. And she decided, okay, I'm gonna talk to the king. But she first asked that her people would go and fast on her behalf and she fasted as well to take some time to consider how she should go about speaking to the king about her people and about um this new decree that had been issued okay so they take this time to mourn they take this time to fast she really wanted to get clarification on like the situation and what she should do um so once she does that and she goes and she spends time with god she gets his instructions on how she should handle the situation. Um, then she requests she's welcomed by the king to come into his presence because she wasn't allowed to just go before the king unless she was called, right? So she chose that she was going to put on a dinner. So she puts on a dinner. She invites Hammond. And the king is asking her pretty much like, what's up? What you need? Like, what you want? But she don't tell him yet. Right. So she holds off on telling him exactly why she's putting this dinner together. Right now, she's just taking time to kind of like celebrate the king or at least let him think that. Right. So she does this. Does she does this like three times? Right. She does like three different dinner parties before she actually comes back um, and tells him what it is that's going on. Um, so she finally tells him like Hammond is trying to kill my people. Because at the time, the king didn't know that she was actually Jewish. She was told by Mordecai during that whole process where she was receiving the beauty treatments to hide um, her ethnicity and her nationality. Um, and so he's just now finding out this about her. And also, she's also reminding the king that at one point, there were people who were plotting against the king to kill him. And Mordecai was actually the person who came and reported this. Um, so that they could not kill the king. And he forgot about this. He didn't realize that this was the same um, person. So she's reminding him that this is Mordecai, who is a Jew. Um, and then also, you know, pleading with him that he would not kill her people. Okay. 
So I'm going to stop right there for a second because I feel like that was a lot to kind of summarize. It's about 10 chapters in Esther. Um, and I want to stop right there for just a second because we talked about a lot and just touch base with y'all before I continue. Okay. So, so far, did I miss anything? Let's start with that. <laughs> um, you came back around. I uh, was going to make note of that uh, Mordecai saved his life and then he didn't know he was a Jew. And then he loved her because he was like, who trying to hurt her? Horn me, my baby. Who trying to horn my baby? No, but he bet not. Because he mm -hmm. didn't remind him that like this decree also includes killing me. And I'm your right. So no, you you did a good summary, sis. Yeah, I would, okay. I would, I would say you definitely did. Um, and I, I don't think he forgot the situation, but it was never brought to his attention that Mordecai was the person that reported the planned assassination. Um, so at one, I think there were actually two banquet dinners, but at that first banquet dinner, um, Esther was like, hey, you know, Mordecai actually is the one that, you know, prevented that assassination from taking place. And that sparked the king to say, well, what do we do for people that we want to honor? Because they they hadn't done anything for him. And I honestly think they didn't do anything for him because um, not not Mordecai. What's the other guy's name? Haman. Haman. There we go. Because Haman was 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 spiteful towards Mordecai for not bowing down to him or else I think the king would have known who Mordecai was because, you know, he was the person that prevented that from happening. But uh, Haman let that jealousy get in the way or that spitefulness happen. And that's why it went unnoticed or unrewarded by the king. Haman the hater. Haman the come on, we're gonna have Nate. Haman the hater. Haman like the you. hater. Oh, and the other thing. So one thing best. So you did talk about how um Esther went to the king after her 12 months of, of beauty, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, but the one thing that she did different than the other women, because they had the ability to choose their own jewelry, right? They little razzle dazzle, she chose to only wear the jewelry that the king requested. Um, which is why I think he showed her favor. It could have been her beauty. It could have been that, but she was the only one that did as the King mentioned he wanted and she didn't go all out with that jury just because that's what she felt like doing. That is true. That is true. Okay. So um, because of all of this that happened, uh, what ends up happening is like we talked about, um, Mordecai, he finds out Mordecai is the one that saved his life. And then um, eventually Mordecai, he's actually, I guess promoted is the right word. Um, and he ends up being one of the king's noble men and of high um, esteem. And so essentially Esther was able to not only save Mordecai's life, but also get the decree that was set in place to kill all of the Jews removed um, so that they could live in peace, but also so that they could live in peace and worship their God and not have to um, bow down before anybody else. Um, so yes, this is the summary of Esther. Okay. Now, hold on, okay. go ahead. You couldn't remove it. The king said that you can't remove no decrees. However, you can do something else. And they made another decree that basically was like, you can defend yourself and kill all of them. And they killed all the people. But they couldn't remove the decree. But that's the only thing I wanted to add. They couldn't remove it. They just. Bruh, they killed like 75,000 people. Yeah, they did. They did. I'm saying like they, they couldn't did. remove the decree. You know. So they yeah, like, no, I'm just saying that that new decree that overwrote that last decree led to the, the Jews going about their business. They, it was up, as Lachelle said, the last uh, episode. They it had was the day up. of the purge. Honestly. Uh -huh. They had multiple days, which is crazy. But the one thing, Ty, that I did want to mention, so it's crazy because Haman was preparing a spear in the yard or iron pole in the yard because he couldn't wait to put Mordecai on that pole to kill him. Mm -hmm. And because of his behaviors and his hatefulness towards the Jews and his plot that would ultimately kill Esther and Mordecai, who saved the king, um, that very spear or pole was then used to kill him. So, yeah, I thought that was another in your face kind of a moment. 
Not that we supposed to be acting like that, but I'm just saying. It <laughs> definitely it definitely came <laughs> back on him. He was working real hard to get that pole in the middle of the courtyard so everybody could see it and it ended up being for him. This but is he, ain't, he ain't the focus of our story though, so we're gonna go back to Esther. He well, well, okay, and kind of right, because there's a bunch of different, I feel like, characters in this mm-hmm. story that we can really um pay attention to and learn from okay um and esther is like the main one i feel like she kind of reminds of of us of things that we should do for the most part but then Haman is also an example of like when we let our pride get in the way of doing what is right and when we go about doing something um in a distasteful way or when we try to like build up our own empire on the backs of other people how that can you know turn out bad for you so i think like even though he's not the the main person there are people in this story that i think um are still important so first i do want to start with esther though so if you had to pick one one word to like describe esther and something that you could take away and apply to your own life what would it be one word. Mm-hmm. I mean, courage. we're all going to share one. But courage. You, just to, you said courage. Okay. Courage. Mm-hmm. That's a good one, Q. I would probably say obedience. I like that. Okay. Um, I will also say she was very patient. I feel like a lot of her story involved her, like, waiting and going through processes. And if she was, like, I'm not doing that, then she wouldn't have been in the position that she was in. For sure. I do like courage, though, um, because I feel like when she was trying to go before the king to have this conversation, right? If we go back to the original queen, Queen Vashtar, right? It wasn't really a situation where you could just do whatever you want just because you was the queen. Like if the king said, come here, you're supposed to come here. Um, If you didn't have permission to go into his presence, you wasn't supposed to go into his presence. And so she wasn't like scared for no reason when Mordecai was like, yeah, go talk to him. You know, this was a valid concern of hers. Um, But she had to remember, even when we're fearful of doing something, when we are trusting God in a situation, um, that has to outweigh our fear, right? So we can be afraid to do something, but we still have to do it knowing who God is and knowing that he's working on our behalf, which I I believe that when she took time to fast and have the other people fast with her, it reminded her of that. And I, 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 go oh, ahead. go ahead, Shia. Okay, just, just on the courage front, um, Ty, I definitely agree with what you just said. Um, but I mean, there was some humility in that too. So courage and humility is probably what I would have to go with, but the courage definitely stood out because one, when his queen wouldn't go and follow the King's rules, we see what happened to her, but two, she knew better than to go talk to him. So she risked like saying, well, um, I'm gonna just go ahead and sit this one out and y'all just gonna have to, you know, make it do what it do. So not only that, but the very person that adopted her. She she wasn't willing to support him at first until he said, hey, don't forget where you come from, because when we die, you die, too. Um, So it took courage on both fronts to say no to Mordecai, um, to approach the king um, and then to be bold enough to approach the king and invite um, his his right hand man to the to the events both times. So she put them all in the same room both times. And I think that takes a lot of courage because he could have easily said what he wanted to do during one of her banquets. Um, but yeah, no, I, I feel like that was very courageous of her. Yeah, and you make a, that's a great point too. Like he could have easily said, but I think that goes back to the top point, like building your empire off the backs of others. Because I don't feel like Heyman would have did that because he was being, it wasn't genuine. It was more so conniving. It wasn't in the best interest of the kingdom and or the king. It literally was just in the best interest of him and his jealous spirit and what he wanted. But I definitely do agree. She was definitely a, a courageous and to Ty's point of like her fasting and praying. And I think a part of that came from 
fasting and praying and asking God for that clarity and shameless plug. If you haven't listened to the episode on fasting, go back and do that. Um, but praying and fasting and asking for clarity because like she's like, he hasn't summoned me for 30 days. I could not supposed to come. But if I do go into his spirit in his hands and he allowed me, you know, she went into like the details of she had to strategically plan in order for her not to be the odds of her being rejected to him not talking to her anyway. You know, she kind of strategically planned that. And I think that she probably got some of that clarity as she was praying and fasting. But also I think strategically planning too, having Haman and Mordecai, well, Haman specifically there to like let, I don't know, not that she was like letting you know, like I got some of my sleeve, but also like you don't scare me because I am Jewish and you out to get my people and I'm hitting this head on, like, what's up, you know? Um, and I think it really threw Haman for a loop when it was like, when she did remind him that Mordecai was the person that saved him. And when the king was like, um, what do you do to somebody that you want to serve and honor? And he was like, oh, yeah, you give him a robe, you give him a horse. Again, he's being vain and boastful because would you have really said that if you knew it wasn't for you? He thought it was for him. So he like, this is what I want, basically. To, for me to feel honored by you, I need your best horse with your emblem on it, your best bro, everything you basically had, I want. And then for him to give it to Mordecai, it was kind of like, hey, I'm like, dang. But, and it just goes to teach us again, like, don't be boastful. Don't be vain because the very things that you hoping for and wishing for can be gone in just a second because you're not doing things with fidelity. You're doing it with hate in your heart. That is so real. I was going to say, if he wasn't so stuck on on having the recognition himself, but even then the company you keep because Haman went back to his friends and his wife and told them about the banquet. Like they, they was hyping him up like, Oh yeah, this is what you can do to the Jews. Um, so, so he was also feeding off of their energy, but they were all directing their energy for evil. Right. Um, and his evil ways and his mentality allowed him to miss really an opportunity because who, sir, why would you think that was okay? And now you didn't even think in your head that Esther was sitting here, you know, strategically planning to turn, turn your butt in because that's what it turned into. But he was just so stuck on, you know, the energy that he was being fed from himself, but also the people he kept around him that he missed that whole thing. He thought all that recognition and all that time at the, at the banquets was for him, which is, not sorry, what was we saying last week? Sorry to that man. Sorry to that man. And sorry to that spirit. It was no. <laughs> For real. And I, I think that you bring up a good point, Queen, when you said um, thinking about the people that you keep because on Mordecai's end, the people that he keep, kept around him contributed to I mean, his downfall. Whereas Esther, the people that she kept around her, like when we think about Mordecai who reminded her like hey sis don't forget where you come from type energy don't remember who don't forget who you are um and then also the people that took the time to mourn with her and fast with her and pray with her so she had people around her who kept her focused on who God was who God has called her to be and what she had to do in this situation versus just kind of telling her what she wanted to hear um and I think when we think about building our faith community it's important for us to have people around us that will be honest with us and not just people who will say like oh that's okay or you know tell us what we want to hear but that will correct us in love um so that we can make sure we're being focused on the right thing and remaining faithful in what it is that God is telling us to do come on sis can I just tell y'all the verse so they so that they can go back and read it themselves mm-hmm. okay so Esther 5 verse 14 um, I'm gonna say it again, Esther five, verse 14. Um, I would definitely encourage you to read all 10 chapters, um, or books. I always be mixing that up regardless. Go read, go read all 10 chapters of Esther. But verse 14 says, so Haman's wife, Zeresh, and all his friends suggested set up a sharpened pole that stands 75 feet tall. And in the morning, ask the king to impale Mordecai on it. When this is done, you can go on your merry way to the banquet with the king. So again, they gas his low head up to set because even I don't think I don't think the people that they were um, 
putting on a sharpened pole or on a sphere was 75 feet high. So this was like the finale of the finale that they done gassed him up and it was for him. So that also goes to show to treat people the way you want to be treated. Um, and I don't think it will be as gory as this, but ultimately we should be being mindful of how we want other people to treat us. Um, and with that, we should be intentional about, about how we treat other people. Yeah, that's definitely uh, real. And then like, and Mordecai didn't even do nothing. They didn't even hang 75 uh, feet poles for the guys that were trying to kill the, the plan to assassinate the king. Like, you're just doing overkill at that point. Like, come on, dude. Exactly. I think um, when we, like, with Haman, I just really think about the fact that, like, all of this started because he was upset that they weren't bow bowing down to him. Like, it wasn't like they actually did something wrong or like broke a law like he really was just looking to lift himself up and then it reminds me of um if you go to philippians chapter 2 verse 3 um and the scripture says don't be selfish don't try to impress others be humble thinking of others as better than yourself um and it makes me think of this because he was so focused on him being higher than everybody else and not really being worried about um, being a good leader over the people or making sure that everybody was okay. He was just more so focused on um, what people thought of him and how he was praised. And I think it goes back to like, when we do things in our own lives, like if are we focused on living out God's will or are we focused on the accolades are we focused on somebody saying oh you did a great job or look what this person has accomplished right because there's so many things that we can accomplish here on earth um but a lot of that like we can't take that with us this doesn't come with us and I think even for myself I have to remind myself a lot of times like when I get into the mindset of like building a legacy and I'm not saying that building a legacy is wrong but you know just focusing on like let me build this legacy or let me do these things um to be remembered and then I have to think back and say am I doing these things to be remembered like Tylesha I want people to remember Tylesha or am I saying I want to do things that are going to contribute to the kingdom of God and help him build and help build that kingdom and things that will help God be remembered versus me and my name. Um, and I think that that's a big thing because I feel like a lot of times we can get caught in that mindset of being praised by people or being praised by what we've accomplished. Um, and although it is good for us to be productive and do things and God leads us into spaces where we will accomplish things, I think it is important to still remember that we have to operate in humility and be mindful that it's not about us being higher than someone else or having a better status than someone else, um, but us being in that position for a reason and using that position to do work on behalf of God. And that's why they say you should treat the janitor the same way you treat the CEO. Well, Amen. that's not why they say it, but you actually should. Now, Sister Ty, what did you say you was reading? Because I went to go and you was, you was, you was, you was beyond I'm me. I'm sorry. That was so fast. Philippians chapter two, verse three. I was just about to say, Bess, you sound like you talking about verse three and four. Okay. That's, I didn't okay. even read uh, four. What was four? You want to share with us? Four says, don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. But that whole chapter, or at least the first half of that chapter, is titled, Have the Attitude of Christ. So, And that that's perfect. Y'all read that too. Read that whole chapter. <laughs> um, Not go read it too. No, I'm for real. Come on, homework. I'm here for it. today. We gonna start giving y'all homework. Um, now, y'all, was it just me? When I read about Queen Vashti, I was really sitting here like, man, like, what if she was just having an off day? Like, you know, I know she ain't supposed to say no to the king, but like, what if she was cramping? Like, what if sis wasn't okay today? And he like, nah, you out of here. You ain't the queen no more because you said you not coming to show your beauty off to my people. Like, was it just me or was y'all kind of like, sheesh, <laughs> sis ain't have no grace 
I think it was kind of harsh, but I also was like, maybe that's what she wanted. Cause like she also noticed because they talked about like how beautiful she was, how he was always showing her off, and how he didn't like, and I don't I don't know enough context on like their wording to know if that's what he meant, but like he was like only to wear her crown. And I'm I'm sure she have on some garment, but was it, you know, revealing like were you dressing me provocatively? Like, or like did I even want that? You know what I'm saying? Like you showing me off, I'm your trophy, but yet you know, I only can come to you every 180 days when you call. And yeah, I live in a castle, but how fulfilling is this? You know? So I was like, yeah, that was harsh. But then I also was like, well, maybe that's what she wanted because she knew the consequence. Well, she might not have known that consequence, but you know that it was going to be something and you can risk that. But also, did you want to keep continue to be showboated only for your beauty? You know? And like, and but contrary to that, it did say Esther was beautiful and all these kind of things, but also even like preparing her for those 12 months, it said he had already st start taking a kindness to her anyway, you know, and a taking a liking to her anyway. So hopefully that was just a better situation for the both of them. Cause Vesha didn't want that. I don't think she wanted that. That's what my heart be telling me. The Bible ain't telling me that. That's what the, that's what my context clue told me to say. <laughs> But the but the crazy thing is, it's not like she was just being lazy. They were celebrating. They celebrated for 180 days. And then after their celebration for 180 days, they had multiple banquets and feasts. So she could have just been tired. Like, sir, what are you talking about? Like, she could have just been tired. Um, but again, he had a council. So, yeah, maybe maybe the king was furious. And it says he was. But. I mean, did that mean he needed to go find a new queen? But that is what his council advised him. That's what they told him to do. His wise men told him to do that. So, uh, yeah, I mean, the company you keep. No, that's real. Because even with even with King Xerxes, I feel like he had some interesting people around him. Like, I feel like it was very, it was kind of like wishy-washy. Like, it was just like, how do we appease him? As opposed to like, what is um sound or wise advice like they like okay yeah she didn't even the reason behind them wanting to get rid of queen vashti it wasn't like it wasn't like okay there is a law and this this that and a the third they were pretty much like if she doesn't do what you say that means none of the other wives is gonna do what their husbands say so she gotta go like it was I feel like it was more of like a um, self-preservation decision as far as men um, and then wanting to make sure that the women were still like obedient to them versus like, was that really necessary? But I do agree, Lachelle. I feel like she was on some um, will fire me then type energy. <laughs> Like, I didn't call up for this no way. Like, I didn't want to be out here showing my body to your people. Like, I know I'm cute, but. <laughs> but dang. Like, get somebody else, dude. You got all these other wives. Uh, well, not wives. Concubines up in here. Maybe pick one. Give me a break. You ain't got I mean, but, but again, that was a long time. Like, can you imagine partying for like 180, 90 days straight? Baby, I'm doing that for two hours. Listen. We look. Think about the energy you take planning an event, planning your birthday, pre, uh, planning somebody's celebration, and to do that for more than half the year because they even had feast and whatever else they had going. So imagine doing all of that for your for your your king to just be like, "Well, I'm mad, so now you got to get gone." But that also tells us not to act in anger because just as quick as he got rid of her and Esther won. He turned around and once he wasn't in his feelings no more, he he sat there and he had to think about like, what the heck did I do? So the only reason they went searching for somebody else was because, you know, he was sitting there looking like a, a lump on a log. But had he not acted in anger, maybe he would have still had her. But obviously we know it was in God's plan to save the Jews, right? And he used Esther to do that. So, I mean, it was going to work the way it was going to work. But at the same time, sir, don't, don't make decisions in anger. And, and ma'ams too. Shoot. We got to try not to do stuff like that. Amen to that. No, that's real. And I agree because this is this is our first break being back home after being gone, like doing all this stuff for like a month. And I've never, I've slept so much 
since being home. So I couldn't imagine partying for that long and people trying to call me to do stuff. But um, I definitely agree. He he was just on his own little time. Um, One other person I want to talk about before we finish is Mordecai, right? Because he's like a small character in a story, but a big character, right? Um, And I think he had a big, he played a big role in a lot of different um, parts of the story. So first, even just thinking about the way that he took in um, Esther to be a part of his family. So he was her cousin. And it doesn't just say like he brought her in and cared for her, but it says that he took her in as his own daughter, right? And he helped raise her up and, you know, made sure she was good. Um, and then we think about first he did that. Then you have the situation where we talked about the two people who were plotting against the king and wanted to kill him. And he goes and he reports like, hey, this is what's happening in order for the king's life to be saved. Um, so then we have another situation where he is being um, an honorable man. And then I think even when we're talking about um, Haman and how he wanted him to bow down, essentially Mordecai could have just been like, okay, whatever, like I'm gonna just do whatever and appease this man. But he was very faithful to God. Like he was like, yeah, I'm not doing that. Like, I don't care who you are. I don't care who the king has appointed you to be. Um, I know who my God is. And despite the fact that he was a Jew and he was an exile during this time, um, he con he still continued to worship God and honor God um, as his Lord, instead of taking on the beliefs of the people um, in the place that he was in. And so I think that it, there are some things about Mordecai that I think also probably contribute to Esther being strong in her faith as well because of the household that she was raised in. Um, she was raised by somebody who led their household to continue to worship God and believe in God, despite where they are, despite what was going on uh, with the Israelites at that time. He still chose God over whatever situation that they were in. And I think that that um, transition down to her as somebody who was adopted as his daughter and even with him being honored in the end his mindset was still to um, do things that would help take care of his people and make sure that his people were okay and were allowed to continue to worship their god so I think like he was he wasn't the main character in this story but I think his faith allowed Esther's faith to also um, flourished the way that it did and he was also the person who reminded her like hey this is our God this is what we believe and you are a part of our people and kept her grounded um, so shout out to Mordecai for sure yeah. right oh go ahead no ma'am I went first last time go ahead no I was uh, gonna uh, echo what I said I do think he played a central role in like an advisory role so to speak but just being strong in his faith and his discipline. And and I would even argue just like the way he influenced um, Esther. Like, I feel like he had that same influence on his, well, and it even said like once he became a noble man, like his name rang among nations, especially the Jews. Like, this is Mordecai. This is what he's done to our people. We're going to continue to celebrate. But I, I would even argue he might not have had that big of a reach and a big of an impact, but for those that he touched in their life, he had that same meaningful impact and just leading, like, because we know, like, during those times, if you became an orphan or a widow, like, it was like, sorry, sucker, because it was always, like, people fending for themselves and doing things. So even to take her on as a daughter and live the word and live out and be godly and express that love in real time. And then also, like, keep trans transpiring it. And, like, and I think it was a rhyme to his reason, kind of like um, when we just talked about Rahab. And her advocating for her family, like, hey, if I do this, I need y'all to, you know, do this for my family. And I do think that because of his prayer and 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 whatever he was doing, I can't say he was fasting. But like when he told her, you know, don't reveal. I'm not telling you to not claim to be a Jew. I'm just saying that if they don't ask you right now, don't tell them, you know, like, let it be the time to tell them. Like, don't be ashamed of where you come from, but also don't tell them just yet. And I think all of that worked for the better, better of their good. I think also something that you just said, Lachelle, like even her not telling him, I think it kind of goes into that mindset of like, you know, we pre we can prejudge people, right? 
And because she didn't say up front, like, I'm a Jew, it allowed the king to get to know her and to value her and then understand that, like, just because she's a Jew, it does not make her um, less valuable or it doesn't make her whatever the the uh, prejudice probably was at the time. Like, he could see her for her and not look at her like, oh, she's a Jew, so she must be X, Y, and Z. And then in learning that, he realized there's not really like there's not really a difference here like instead of prejudging people we should get to know people and understand who they are um versus allowing their title or the label that's placed on them um to make us feel some type of way about them so i think that that plays a part in it as well and then even seeing the type of person that she was once he found out that she was a jew and still seeing that she was um an honorable person and somebody that was going to stand up for her people in this situation. And Mordecai actually mirrored that same behavior. Um, well, one, because if you think about it, when he was considered the prime minister, right? Um, he didn't, there's no text in there that says anything about the king going back to his councilmen or his wise men. So that was a decision that was made by the king, but that decision also helped Mordecai to better speak up for his people or to to continue to speak up for his people, um, which then, of course, impacted their descendants. So the Jews, you know, were then able to continue the work that they were doing. They were continued. They were able to have a voice. um, And because of that, their children, their lineage was in in good health and better care. So. I think he did that. And he he showed grace to Esther because he could have been like, screw you, Esther, forget this. I'm going to just go figure it out because he said it's going to happen one way or another. Um, But he did give her that opportunity to fix it. So. Most definitely. I think he's a good example of just like um, living our lives in an honorable way and just living outwardly for God. Like it wasn't, I don't feel like he... Like we have like these characters in the Bible um, where it's like, these are like very big and prominent people. And sometimes I feel like uh, when we live out our lives, we think we have to be, we have to live that way versus just if we're walking in our purpose and doing what God tells us to do. It's also the small things that um, I think is impactful and allows people to be exposed to God or to understand um, who God is and who he calls his people to be. So I, I think like Mordecai is a really great example of like just someone not who was necessarily looking for um, this super high position or this platform, but that was just really interested in living um, outwardly for God. And that allowed him to have an impact on other people's lives. And so I love it. I love it. Now, now um, can we say the flip side about Haman, though? Because if that man spent so much time in negative negativity that he literally went out his last days, wasn't nothing prideful, happy, like the man mm. was miserable, spent his days that way and died that way. Like, how exactly. sad is that? Because you're, you're that you're that invested in ruining someone else's life, deterring someone else from their purpose that you just... You don't even see it. Like you, you're you're literally living but dying, and that's exactly what he did. And that's just unfortunate. Forgive people, y'all. Please forgive people. And he didn't even enjoy the accolades that he had had come across. Like he make it to the highest noble, but you too busy worried about Mordecai wasn't a peasant, but like somebody that ain't even in your tax bracket. You too busy worried about somebody that ain't in your tax bracket that you didn't even. I like how you just put that. Like on the flip side. Because you didn't even get to enjoy what God has provided you with in this moment because you're too busy chasing something else. It's always the next dollar. It's always the next position. It's always the mm. next goal. And it's like, when do you sit and thank God for all of these things that you do have that you just prayed for last year because you steady working towards something else? And it's like, do we take time? And now I'm preaching to myself to appreciate what God has provided or do we always feel like, it's never good enough, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's the key too, like, because he, it ain't even like he was like a bum or broken. And you literally was the man, like you was the right hand man. And you chose to give that all up for, for nothing, for nothing. Right. 
So yeah. For for pride. He gave it up for, for pride and bitterness. He was bitter. Yeah. That's why we what did we say in season one? Bitterness in a jar does more damage to the jar than the person you want to throw it on. Exactly. <laughs> no, for real. And I think it also goes back to when we think about when God gives us stuff, right? Sometimes he intends for us to have something or to be in a position for a certain season. Maybe that is not the in place that we're supposed to be in. But sometimes when we get into a place where we feel like I'm here, I've made it, we hold on so tightly to that thing that that becomes like our crutch. Like we're holding it with a closed hand. We're like, I have to maintain this. I have to keep this. But we're keeping it at the expense of whatever else God might have in store for us and also trying to hang on to this thing by all means necessary, which might involve uh, involve us compromising um, ourselves and having ethics or morals um, in order to maintain that thing. And I think just with, with anything that we have in life, we should never get to a point where we are willing to compromise compromise one what it is that got us there we don't really know how he got into this position but as a believer when God puts us in a position um whatever it was that got us there we shouldn't be willing to compromise those things to maintain that position um and we also shouldn't hold on to that position so tightly that we're not willing to move on to whatever it is that God has for us next as well um, so I think that's that that is a big thing um, that I took away from Heyman because he was like, I'm the man. I'm going to remain the man. Ain't nobody going to be higher than me. Nobody's going to have more pool than me. Um, and that, that's not how God wants us to live our lives. Uh, again, like everywhere that we are might be for a time, might be for a season. And then God might have something else that he needs us to move into. So we have to hold everything that we have with an open hand and be willing to let go of it whenever God tells us to let go of it. All right. Yeah. So I, I'm sorry, go ahead. I just want to say last, this last thing that you can wrap up. The irony in just what you said, I don't want nobody to be higher than me. And when he died, wasn't nobody higher than him. 75 feet. I'm not gonna play with you. <laughs> I'm about to fall out. But that's it. irony, like for real. Like that's the definition of irony, is it not? Quite literally, nobody was higher than you. Literally, be careful for what you what you ask for, because you got it the, the least way you expected to. Okay, now you can go here, sister. <laughs> Queen, you had something else you wanted to add? Nah, girl, bless it. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So when I had read this story before, like not when I reviewed it this time, but when I read it before, um, there was like five things that I have written down um, specifically about Esther. So I put that she was humble, uh, that she was a servant, that she was able to overcome her emotions and specifically her fear. Um, She was patient. And then she also had like big picture and long term thinking. Right. So I think these are some things that um, when we think about how we're making decisions, because a a big part of this to me was focused on the decision making and how she chose to handle this situation. When we go about making decisions in our own lives, um, I think these are things that we can consider and keep with us. One, to make sure that we're being humble in our decision making. Are we making a decision again for our own accolade or are we truly submitting to what it is that God is telling us to do and being humble in the situation? And even if we are taking some type of like advice from someone like trusted people in our lives, making sure um, that we are being humble and seeking that advice. Sometimes we don't want to ask for help. Sometimes we don't want to listen to other people, but we have to uh, demonstrate humility and receive that. And then even with her throwing these banquets, I always think that is kind of interesting because she threw this banquet for King Xerxes, but also for the person who was trying to kill her people. Um, And so she, again, had to humble herself and step into this role of being a servant um, to other people. And so that's something to also consider when we're making our decisions to think about um, how we are approaching the situation. Are we allowing our emotions to control our decisions or are we truly listening to what God is telling us to do? And then sometimes it might take some time, right? So sometimes we don't get to make a decision 
and act on it immediately. Sometimes we have to take some time making a decision. Sometimes God has us wait um, and we have to be okay with that as well. And then also consider what is the long-term goal? What is the big picture in this situation? So she could have very easily made a choice that only protected her, but she wanted to make sure that her people were protected and that they were able um, to worship freely and not have to deal with this scrutiny ongoing. So um, when we're making our own decisions in our lives, when we are faced with challenges, I think those are some really th good things to keep with you. So again, being humble, having a servant mindset, working with God to overcome our emotions and still do what he's telling us to do, being patient, and then also considering the big picture or having a long-term um, mindset. So those are my five takeaways. And that's all I got. That's all I got for y'all today. Thank and the crowd goes wild. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Not this face, Lachelle. You were supposed to cheer with us. I, I missed the cue. I'm sorry. <laughs> Not this delayed celebration. I'm still here for it. I'm here for it. It's yes. We we good. Okay. So this is another great Bible study. I like doing these. I really like doing these. Um, where we talk about the different people in the in the Bible. Um, all right. Before we go into our closing prayer, we do have to talk about these action commitments. Um, Lachelle, why would you turn your camera off when I say we're talking about our action commitments? That's crazy. Okay. If guilty was a person. Right. Disappeared off the whole screen. So um, last week, we all decided to do our praying for our future husband Um doing there's different readings so doing more of those this week so how did everybody do hold up i said i was doing it yeah we all said it we all said it you for real because yeah, really you I... said it and then i think maybe it was the show i don't know one of y'all was like yeah we just gonna do this again this week so that no, was, we was all... I, I said we should you you should share one of the prayers next week on the podcast i didn't know i agreed to do that you, you said we did say we should share one you did say and i told you that that's natural logical consequences you're gonna have to go buy yourself another one and i told you where to get it from <laughs> amen and amen amen that did happen so Yes, wait, but but wait, why did she come back once once right, you um, redirected yeah, the attention off of her to me? <laughs> what was that? And now she quiet. <laughs> come on, not now we throwing rocks from glass houses. Um, but yeah, y'all did not ask me a question, so I did not have the answer. Michelle, did you do your action commitment? Sorry to that man. <laughs> So that is a no. Queen, did you do your action commitment? I'm going to assume no because you forgot what it was. I, I searched all over. Couldn't find that book. I looked high and low. Hobby I Lobby. still couldn't find that book. So this is a joke today. Y'all <laughs> is... Okay, I got a new action commitment. I am going to read one. And I'm going to actually read it recording myself read it in our little group chat that way i can definitely be held, held accountable okay good because when i text you and next questions you ignored them but you was answering everything else though so you know girl i was in and out on the group chat don't do that because i mean it's been <laughs> lot. don't you don't you come for me now go ahead and say your little action for me because i'm dead mine so we can go ahead and pray and get on the pot here i'm just joking <laughs> um I don't have one this week. Look, I have to be real with myself. I don't know where that book is. I'm about to go out of town. I'm not looking for that book before I leave. Let me let me just enjoy my Bible plans for the next seven days. And then if I still can't find that book, I will go get another one. Okay. Um, My action commitment... So I'm home for like the next two weeks and I'm so excited to be back in my own little solitude space. Um, so I just want to like schedule some quiet time with God over the next week. I don't really know if that will be like 
me being in prayer, me just listening to God, me reading my words, something. But I want to like, I read my Bible every day, but I want to like specifically just schedule quiet time with God um, while I'm home and can enjoy some solitude. So that is going to be my action commitment. And let me write that down so I don't forget. That's beautiful. I think that is so important because sometimes, I don't know. I I know me personally, sometimes I will, I will pray and I will ask God for things. And I'd be like, okay, bye. No, and I yeah. know I, I don't sit there long enough to hear nothing. Not that day, not the next day. I just be, that's like calling somebody. And as soon as they answer the phone, you just talk. And then when you done talking, you hang up. Mm. <laughs> right. No, how are you? How one-sided. <laughs> Very <laughs> transactional. The Lord be like, you know what I'm sick of. That'd be me too, Q. Lord, I need you. Amen. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> you'd be like oh wait hold on i forgot to tell you you, you are good god thank you you yeah. too anything you wanted me to do <laughs> no that's real okay before we pray out i did want to um because we said we were going to share one of the prayers um so i'll i'll read the last one that i just did um because i did my action commitment y'all um so this one you ain't got to throw shade. There was no shade. I just was saying. <laughs> I mean, I was just going to ask if you can send a picture of it in the chat so I could look at it, but I don't, deserve, it while I, I, I don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. Not you don't deserve it. I'm just, um, what is it called? Uh, guilt shaming you right now? I think that's what I was doing, but it wasn't intentional. So yes, please no. send it to me, sis, so I can follow along. I got you. I got you. So I just sent it to you. Um, so this one is about making wise decisions. And they give a scripture for each of the prayers. So the scripture for this one is Proverbs 12, chapter 12, verse 15. Uh, Dr. Kwamika, can you read that scripture for us before I read the prayer? I'm sorry. I was already reading the prayer. Where, where am I going? Proverbs 12, 15. Nacho was reading ahead of the class. I'm sorry. That's why you don't give people material because they don't know how to act. Then they stop listening to you. No, I used to do that. Proverbs do 12. That Proverbs 12 and what? Verse 15. Okay, hold on. Let me go. Let me go. All right. Proverbs 12, verse 15. NLT version says. Fools think their own way is right, but the wise listen to others. Okay. Wow, this kind of fit with our, uh, whatchamacallit today. Okay, I see what you did there, Lord. All right, so this is the prayer that they have um, for your future husband for this one. So it says, Dear Lord, I pray my future husband is a man who fears you. I pray your holy presence is evident in his life. Please continue to mature his character, grow his heart, feed him truth and guard his mind. I pray he prays and asks you for wisdom. I pray you would send righteous men to influence him in your ways and advise him to pursue righteousness in all his decision-making. I pray my future husband is a humble man who listens to wise advice. If there's any foolishness in his heart, I pray you would remove it, till the soil of his heart so that the fruits of your spirit may flourish. I pray he would never fight to be right, but rather, I pray he would fight for truth, your truth. May your Holy Spirit show him when he is seeking after validation for himself so that he will change. I also pray that he never fights to be right in our marriage. I pray he would humble and navigate our future conversations with compassion and in pursuit of understanding. Please remove any pride from his heart that would hinder him from being a compassionate and humble husband. I pray that we both would seek to make wise choices in our marriage. With every decision we have to make, help us to make them together with peace guarding our hearts and your wisdom leading us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay. Amen. Look, if Mordecai had a wife, this was oh she said. Oh my gosh, right. This was so perfect for what we did for this story of Esther. This was really perfect. Um, 
And if you guys don't remember, one of the things that we talked about was when saying these prayers, like I said that one for my husband and flipped it right around and said it for myself as well, because I felt like there was a lot of things in there that um, I also want for myself and to make sure that I'm showing up the way that I'm supposed to for my future husband. Um, So again, really good book. If you're interested, make sure you um, grab one of those. Um, I'm sure you can order it online as well. But I think Lachelle got these from Hobby Lobby. Hobby Lobby. Hobby Lobby. Okay. All right, cool. Um, And so now we'll actually do our real prayer to close this out. Um, thank you guys for joining us. And we will let Lachelle go ahead and close this out today. If everybody can bow their heads and close their eyes, if you're able to do so. Heavenly Father, thank you for allowing us to gather again in your name. Um, to not only discuss your Lord and Savior, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, your son, Jesus Christ, but also the influential people that you gave us to to look at their stories and help better impact our lives and give us some guiding principles. Um, we hope that this story and the breakdown of which um, was accurate. And we um, also pray that it impacted our listeners. Um, we thank you. We love you. Um, and we're going to continue to serve you in your son Jesus name. Amen. 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 All right, y'all. Another opportunity for us to keep it real. May the good Lord bless you and may the good Lord keep you. Until next time, Triple Faith signing out.